Welcome to the Simplify Jesus podcast. We're your hosts, Matt Gunter and Bill Allen, and together we are breaking barriers through communication. Hello, hello, and welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Simplify Jesus, where we are breaking barriers through communication. That's right. I am Bill Allen. This is Matt Gunter next to me here, across from me, somewhere in the room. <laughs> Going to bring you some uh, chronological Bible what summaries yeah yeah summary's a good word for <laughs> summary's good yeah kind of running through everything last week we left off at samson and this was during his time as judge he was a nazarite and he was gifted with extraordinary strength by god the one key was he couldn't cut his hair couldn't drink any alcohol mm-hmm. and those were the two big ones. Those are the two big ones, yeah. yeah. Oh, he couldn't have any grapes either. He couldn't oh. have any, anything from the vineyard. That, that's what it was. It right, was right, right. alcohol. That's, that's what I was missing, yeah, because that ferments and turns to alcohol. So, yeah. And you know what? I, I think I, I look back, and I think I was mistaken. You know, we talked about his wife at the time getting him drunk to get all that information out of him about how to get rid of his strength. Mm-hmm. I think I was wrong. I don't think he was. I don't think she got him drunk. Hmm. I think he was just being what coy with her i don't know he was yeah she 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 lowered his walls for sure maybe it was just yeah maybe it was uh just you know i mean relationship stuff right yeah. you know yeah you know, <laughs> he he was comfortable he was comfortable we'll yeah say it that way yeah. Yeah. yeah but ultimately his pride was his downfall yeah. of course and after he was captured by the philistines he prayed to god for strength one last time after some torture and gouging his eyes out and mm-hmm. lots of pain and God gave him one last bit of strength, enough for him to bring down the temple and uh, take the Philistines with him. He took them all out, including himself. I guess he kind of said, this is enough, and I'll do one last thing for God and get it over with. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, just just be done. Just yeah. be done. So today we are going into First Samuel. And y'all, again, I want to remind you from last week, uh, we are skipping Ruth. We know, we realize that is the next story in line from Judges. But we want to tie in Ruth to what's coming up after Samuel. So y'all just stay with us. We know what we're doing. We're professionals. <laughs> we got think. this covered. <laughs> we think we do. We think uh, we do. <laughs> it's no, it's going to be good. It'll be it'll be fun to get uh, get Ruth tied in with uh, with David and and his story uh, down the road. It's going to be good. Yeah. So. Today we're talking through 1 Samuel 1 through 8, if y'all want to follow along. We're talking about Samuel as a prophet and a judge. So, what you got, Matt? Start off today with the story of a woman named Hannah. She was the wife of Elkanah, and Hannah was childless. Elkanah had two wives, um, so he had some kids by his other wife, but Hannah didn't have any kids, and so she went to the temple one day to pray. This was while a guy named Eli was priest, and he was actually out sitting by the doorpost of the temple. He had a chair set up there, and Hannah came and was praying at the temple, and her, her prayer was very simple. 1 Samuel one eleven records it. It says, making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of armies, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me and give your servant a son. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and his hair will never be cut. You know, that's interesting that it's mentioned here again, because Samson couldn't have his hair cut too. Mm-hmm. Do we know the significance of that? Why God said, why, why aren't we all running around with long hair these days? <laughs> 
I mean, I cut mine years ago, but yeah. Well, and it's interesting because in, in, you know, culture today, you know, long hair. So there are the long haired guys that are like seen as, you know, dreamy, whatever. Right. Cause they've got the flowy long hair, but most guys the long hair doesn't look good. It just, it's, it's looks kind of sloppy and shaggy and whatnot. And mop head. Um, <laughs> It's interesting. I, I don't know the significance, but now I want to know. I do too. Yeah. Also, speaking of long hair, I'm looking forward to seeing that Jesus Revolution movie. Ooh. That's all about the hippies. I'm, I'm excited about that. But anyway. Yeah. I, I, I digress. I, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited too. Yeah. Um, I'm real excited. So she prays a simple prayer. And, and interestingly, Eli comes in the priest comes in and thought she was drunk you know she was kneeling at the altar and praying and weeping and he was like i don't know what's wrong with this one but he went and confronted her and realized no 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 she's just upset she's brokenhearted that she hasn't had any kids and so he told her go in peace and may the god of israel grant the request you've made of him that's first samuel 117 and so after this and in a really powerful cool way god moved and gave her a son and she named him Samuel, which uh, loosely means requested from God. So it's really cool. You can already see some parallels here between uh, Samuel and Samson in not cutting the hair and the fact that their moms were barren before they had them. But, you know, once again, God moves in a powerful way. And when Samuel was weaned, they went and took him to the temple to be raised by Eli and be raised in the Lord's service and to uh, be dedicated to service to him. Well, I find that interesting that she wants a child so bad and then she's going to give him up right away what mm-hmm. I, I don't understand if you if you want a kid why are you willing to, i mean obviously she loved god mm-hmm. very much but i don't understand the point of yearning for a child so bad just to give him up yeah i i wonder how much of that is cultural in if i if i understand right in that day and age you know a lot of your value as a man and as a woman is is in how many kids you have mm. and so you know how much of that was either she was looked down upon or she felt looked down upon or cursed or something like that because she didn't have any kids and if you just give me one you can have them you know if if it was that kind of mindset of i just i just want to have a kid uh whatever that takes i just want to have a kid you know i can't even imagine that you know it's kind of like we we skirted around the story of jephthah last week but there's a little bit of that in his story as well. Of Some of the commentary stuff I've read talked about how he gave her up in service to the Lord. That likely that was what it meant rather than as a sacrifice, but giving her in service to the Lord. But kind of that, that same mindset of like being willing to just say, okay, here you go. God, mm. they're yours. But it's just crazy to think about that. It is. It is. And for context, you know, we, uh, Matt just mentioned Jeff, though. Like we said, we skirted around that, but he literally said, if you will... Let me have my enemies, right? If defeat them, I will sacrifice to you the first person that greets me at my door. Mm-hmm. And when he defeated his enemies and got home, basically his daughter came to the door. Yeah. And he was extremely sad about that. My thought was, why would you make a promise like that? That's not what God wants out of you. Yeah. <laughs> and so you see kind of two different sides of it. In that perspective, it's like, man, how... How crazy is that to even think about that of, you know, man, if you just let me win this battle, if you let me win the war, I'll give you whatever. And mm-hmm. like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> and then in this case, if you just give me a kid, you can have him. I just want to have a kid. Like yeah. it, it, that, that whole mindset is just, it's, I mean, 
I don't want to say it's completely foreign to culture in general, but but it is right. It's, for it's, ours, it's, at it's least. nothing I would ever talk about. Yeah, for ours at least it is. Yeah, I wouldn't think about that. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna give me a kid, I want to keep him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want I want a kid to raise. Mm-hmm. You know, I want, I want my my kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy stuff, and it and it happens. It happens in oddly fair amount in the Old Testament. Interesting, but Samuel grew up in the temple, and and uh, Eli had some sons of his own. Now Eli is the the priest there at the temple, right? Eli's the priest. Yeah. Okay. They they were they were doing uh, I'm gonna say a stereotypical preacher kid things probably uh, <laughs> what it looked like in the Old Testament. Um, they I always meant- heard cops, kids, and preachers' kids are the worst. I mean, I don't know to all you preachers and officers out there listening. You tell us. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've known some uh some some really great preachers kids but there there is a stereotype out there. I mean, I was a music minister's kid, so it's it's not, you know, probably not quite the same. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> it was there there's a stereotype out there and these guys kind of fit the bill. They were messing with the sacrifices, they messed with the portions that they were taking and even how they prepared them, they were boiling stuff when it's all supposed to be prepared, burned on the altar and I mean, just all kinds of stuff, making deals and wheeling and dealing. And then on top of that, they were sleeping around with the women who came to the temple. And so, like, you know, just not not what you're supposed to be doing. Um, So this entitlement uh, mentality is not a new thing that we have today. No, it's been around for a while. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. (laughs) A little bit. Good to know. And so, yeah, Eli, being their dad and being the priest, he confronted them about it, but their their hearts were hard and they weren't they weren't interested in hearing what he had to say um also kids not listening to their parents not a new thing um, funny also parents letting their kids not listen to them not a new thing oh yes <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> but you know they were basically they were digging their own grave uh, by doing all this stuff but samuel all the while also being raised by eli I mean, basically, when he was weaned, um, so he, you know, toddler, basically, at that point, he's been in the temple ever since. Uh, and for all intents and purposes, he's being raised by Eli, the same. But he's growing in God and growing to be, you know, what we'll see is the next priest and the next judge um, instead of Eli's own kids. So pretty, pretty cool to see that. But, you know, there was one day when Samuel was young, Eli had gone to bed and Samuel was lying down in the temple and says he was in the area where the Ark of the Covenant was. And Samuel heard a voice calling out his name. And Samuel's like, hey, here I am. And he ran back to Eli, thinking it must be Eli calling him. But Eli said, hey, you're you're just hearing things. Go back to bed. Don't worry about it. So Samuel went and laid down. But then it happened again. God called out to him, calling his name. And he went back to Eli. It's like, probably thinking, okay, now you're messing with me. You're calling me again. But Eli told him, it's not me. So you're hearing things, go back to bed. So Samuel goes back to bed and it happened a third time where God called out his name. And so Samuel again gets up, he goes to Eli. This time, Eli wised up and he's starting to understand what's going on here, that, that God was calling on Samuel to be a servant. And so Eli told him in 1 Samuel 3, 9, he said, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And that's exactly what Samuel did. And God called on him and told him what was about to come. And what God told Samuel was what was about to happen to Eli's family. He he said, yeah, Eli's sons, they've been acting up. They've been doing things that profane uh, the temple and God's call in their lives. Um, And so he was about to take them out. He was taking out the whole family and going to hit the reset button with Samuel. And so Samuel continued to grow in God. 
and uh, even very early on was recognized as a prophet. And so Samuel, when when God told him all of this, he he went and told Eli everything. And you know, Eli he showed showed a little bit of wisdom here. He's like, hey, don't don't hold anything back. Don't don't not tell me something. So Samuel told him everything. Said that you know God was going to take him out, and that basically this was the punishment for their sin and how they had been acting. And it, it's crazy to think about Samuel in that situation. I mean, I'm guessing at this point he's probably a kid, preteen maybe, and going before the priest and being like, hey, so God just told me something you're not going to like. But having the the strength to stand up and say what he needed to say and, and stand before Eli, it shows a little mutual respect there between those two and how they were growing together and uh, how Eli had raised him. We fast forward a little bit into 1 Samuel 4. And there's a battle that takes place between the Philistines and the Israelites. And so the, the Philistines came in and they won the battle. They actually took out 4,000 Israelites in this battle. And the Israelites were, um, of course, distraught, dismayed. Um, you know, we've got God on our side. How could we lose, right? That that was kind of their mentality. And the, the God that delivered us out of Egypt, the God that, you know, brought down the walls of Jericho and all of this stuff. And so their solution was, hey, we need the Ark of the Covenant. That's That's what we're missing. That's why we lost this battle. So they go get the Ark of the Covenant. They bring it in from uh, the city of Shiloh. When it showed up, the Philistines were kind of rattled at first. They were like, um, this is this is probably not good. They were thinking the same thing. This is the God who delivered them out of Egypt and all of that. But they stood tall and fought anyway, and the Philistines won again. This time they killed 30,000 Israelites, including Eli's two sons, and they captured the Ark of the Covenant. And at this point, Eli was 98 years old. He heard about his son's being killed he heard about the ark of the covenant being taken and he literally fell back in his chair and because of his old age it broke his neck and he died on the spot wow i can't imagine just falling back in my chair and breaking my neck that's that's some frailty there yeah yeah you see god's god's plan come to fruition right there with with eli and his sons and all that but god uh god sometimes works in kind of funny ways he uh if you don't think he has a sense of humor it, it wasn't exactly all roses when the Philistines got the Ark of the Covenant. They put it in the temple to their God, thinking, ha, ah, we conquered the God of the of the Israelites. And so they put it in the temple to their God, Dagon. Uh, it's in the city of Ashdod, and they put it next to the statue of Dagon, which they worshipped. And uh, much to their surprise, they, they came into the temple the next morning, and the statue of Dagon was face down in front of the Ark. It's, like, it's maybe... One God bowing down to the other. So they set the statue back up. Everything was fine. They came in the next morning and it happened again. It was back face down in front of the, in front of the Ark of the Covenant. And then on the third day, they did the same thing, but its head and its hands were cut off and sitting in front of the Ark. And so it was, you know, very clearly God saying, okay, you got the Ark, but this is not where I'm supposed to be. That God is not a real God. And so God actually, he cursed the people of Ashdod where the ark was being held. And so they moved the ark to the city of Gath, which was also in Philistine territory. God's hand moved against them. And so they moved it one more time to Ekron. But after a similar fate where they were dealing with plagues and death and all of that, they came together and said, yeah, we don't want it that bad. And they sent it back to the Israelites, which is, I think it's, uh, it's a very wise move on their part. How many times do we keep pushing in the wrong direction? We're like, man, why am I having to fight this so hard? It's like, yeah, you know, just turned around to be a lot easier, right? Well, when you think about it, I mean, they didn't know God. They didn't know our God. Mm -hmm. uh, they knew their God. And they were still pushing back 
against our God and, and bad things kept happening to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, uh, not saying everything is uh, like them. Not everything is roses when you mm-hmm. follow God, but things are a lot better. And he's going to help you out a lot more if you build a relationship with him. Yeah. Um, but he can cause people who don't even follow him pain. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the interesting parallels here is that the Philistines got the ark because the Israelites weren't following God well at this time. I mean, that started, he goes high as the high priest, Eli and his kids and what was going on there. If they was getting squirrely there, you can imagine the rest of the nation getting a little squirrely down there too. And so that's why they were defeated in the first place. But then uh, the Philistines were getting a little taste of their own medicine there mm-hmm. with, uh, with God turning his back on them as well. So, they decided to return it, and the Israelites gave them some special instructions for sending it back. It was basically to get a cart, put it on the cart, send it back with some cows, and pull it through. And so the cows pulled it all the way down the trail um, back into Israelite territory. Well, let's keep in mind here, though, that they hitched up this team of cows, and I think it was like two. And then they said, okay, if God sends it north... We're going to let it go, but if it sends it south, then we know it's not of God. So they hitched up the cows, and without a follower, without a driver, without anybody pulling them, these cows went back to the Israelites. Uh, that is an absolute God thing right there. That all they did was say, we're going to send this back like they want us to, but only if their God says so. I think that's amazing. Sorry, Matt. Continue. And then the Israelites messed up. They put it in a place it shouldn't have been. And then they got curious about, I guess, what was in it, which I don't understand. But they they decided to open it up for some reason. But they know what's in it. But they, they got to know what's in it. So why are you opening it? Like, you, you know what's in there. Don't worry about it. Ah, but, but what if they thought maybe the Philistines changed things out? Possibly. Hmm. That's a yeah. That's a good point. I thought maybe they thought it was a Trojan horse or something. Yeah, like, yeah. But still, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. They've got their God's given them specific rules about how to treat the yeah the ark. So. Don't open it it's right up there at the top. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so so they did, and uh, that was in Beth Shemesh, and so they dealt with you know curses and plagues and all that stuff because they weren't following how God told them to do, and then they moved it to Kiriath Jerim, and it stayed there for a long time. So that's that's where it ended up landing. Ark of the Covenant is back in Israelite territory. All is kind of calming down a little bit now. Man, I love that you can say these hard words because I wouldn't have known how to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of hoping I get them right. It's best guess. I So I, I was talking with a guy yesterday, and this is a little side story. I was talking with a guy yesterday that said he was working on his MDiff pre-COVID and wasn't able to finish it because of that. I was like... You know, that would, that would probably actually be helpful with trying to read some of this stuff. Just knowing the language a little bit, mm-hmm. like it, it would uh, fake it till you make it, right? <laughs> that's what we do every day, y'all. That's, that's <laughs> Welcome right. Welcome to our world. That's right. Like they'll say, we're professionals. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so about 20 years after all this happened, and there was a revival happening in the nation of Israel as people were turning back to God. And something that first Samuel doesn't talk about as much um, leading into it, but we talked about in the history throughout the judges is this cycle that, that the Israelites go through where they're, they're with God and they're doing things right. And then they fall back and they go up and they fall back about 20 years after this fight with the Philistines, the people finally turn around and are like, Oh, 
we got way off track. We need to, you know, we need to turn back to God and, and do things his way. And so Samuel stepped up to the plate. He called on them to get rid of their false gods and to set their heart on God. Uh, once again, to get rid of the Baals and the Ashtoreths and all that stuff. I, I love this because we're kind of there if you think about it. You know, I, I was listening to what? Uh, one of the Christian stations. I don't remember if it was mm. Air One or, or uh, Caleb, but they had talked about the the movie we just mentioned in the beginning, the Jesus mm. Revolution. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was something that was happening in what seventies. Yeah, and you know we're forty years out from that. Look at the, the Ashbury revival that's going on right now. Yeah, that everybody's talking about. Yeah, and the DJs were talking about how we're in a time right now when God is being mentioned more now than he has in such a long time by people you wouldn't expect it from, you know, when, when that football player uh, went down, yeah, you've got broadcasters on ESPN praying live. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would have never thought there was a world that would have happened. Right. And especially not today's world and not today's world. And we're just coming off of, just a few years of, of people who are standing there, making their stand with kneeling to the flag and the national anthem and, you know, all of these different crazy things that are going on. And it seems like it's from one extreme to another in a lot of ways. Yeah. And and, and we see that here. Like you said, they go through their cycles. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it has never ended. I think we yeah. constantly go through cycles. Uh, every Every part of... Uh, people who follow God or who, who don't, I think, I think God allows us to go through these cycles. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I think God allows us to go through the cycles and I think some of it's just our human nature as well. We, you know, we get off track and so they're like, Oh man, okay. I've got a course correct. And so we come back and we're super fired up course correcting and we're fully on board and then we get comfortable. And so we kind of do, 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 you know, work our way back and then we get, you know, in a bad spot again. Oh, of course, correct. Right. And it's, it's a cycle that we go through and it's true of a lot of things, but especially in our, in our, in our spiritual lives, it happens a lot. And, you know, what's, what's so cool about what started in Asbury is seeing how it spread. So I'm, I'm an A&M grad and they had a revival service there that was, several hours of prayer and worship out in front of the football stadium. Baylor had something similar. You know, and even I look at the life of our church uh, that we go to. I mean, just yesterday we had uh, eight baptisms and a baby dedication. Yeah. And and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add my son was one of those baptisms. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's so exciting. And, and to see the the lives of these guys who were baptized, you know, changing like a, like a switch flipped in them. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is real life change. This is real stuff happening, you know, and, and to see the church growth, to see people talking about God. I, I had conversations just last week with some guys at work who um, very boldly asked other guys we work with, Hey, do you believe in Jesus? Are you, are you a believer? Are you a follower of God? I was like, what is happening? Yeah. This is crazy, but it's happening. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, my, my wife, uh, Rachel and I were talking yesterday and like, it is so cool to see God move. And it, but when, when it's happening, all you want to do is jump on board. Mm-hmm. Like just don't pass me by. Let me, let me be a part of it. Right. <laughs> um, and, and it's, it's so cool to see that. And so if you're listening to this today, 
I hope that's where you're at. Yeah. I, I hope that I hope that you see God moving and and that you're you're ready to jump on board because there's there's exciting stuff happening and that's just where we're at. I can I'm sure this is happening all around the country, hopefully all around the world, where people are turning back. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I think um, it's a good upward trend. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to use the word trend because that sounds like a, a bandwagon kind of, <laughs> you know. Oh, that video is trending. No, uh, <laughs> it's just a good upward movements mm-hmm. motion of god reaching people where you would think they'd be hard to reach sometimes yeah anyway so yeah it's uh it's it's cool to see so yeah and I, that's that's very much what we're seeing here in, in israel uh where where samuel is he said to the place like guys we got to get back on track and so they got rid of all their false idols um he called all of them to come together at the city of mizpah he did a sacrifice for them. And yeah, and so it's so a revival is sparking in Israel. Well, the Philistines, they're, you know, granted it's been 20 years, but um, they got wind of everybody getting together and they decided now is the time to attack. <laughs> Little did they realize Israelites were getting back right with God. This was going to be a problem for them. And so uh, God threw the Philistines into confusions. Israelites easily defeated them. Uh, and ran them out of town. And so you, you see that turnaround. You see how God moves in the people of Israel and then um, how God shows out in, uh, in protecting them as well. And I hope that the Israelites were able to look at that. I don't, I don't recall seeing that. But being able to look at that after they got their butts kicked twice by the Philistines, I hope that they were able to go back and say, yeah, this wasn't us. This was God. Yeah. Because we've already seen we can't beat them, but God did that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what a great thing for us too. Like that's, you know, how, uh, that is so important to have that perspective of when we see these things of just remembering it's not us, it's all about God. And, and we, uh, we can't do anything without him and we sure don't want to try to do anything against him. Mm -hmm. Um, so just like I said, jump on the train. It's good stuff. So as uh, as Samuel got older, he had some sons and he appointed them as judges over Israel. But not unlike Eli and his kids, Samuel's sons weren't doing things the right way. And so um, the elders of Israel came together with uh, Samuel and called on him to give them a king. And this is a pivotal, pivotal moment in the history of Israel. So Samuel Samuel went to God and said, God, they're asking for a king. What what should I do here? And and God gave him a response. Uh, this is in 1 Samuel 8, 7 through 9. He says, But the Lord told him, Listen to the people and everything they say to you. They have not rejected you. They have rejected me as their king. They are doing the same thing to you that they have done to me since the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, abandoning me and worshiping other gods. Listen to them. But solemnly warn them and tell them about the customary rights of the king who will reign over them. And so the rest of 1 Samuel 8 is Samuel telling them all of the customary rights of the king, which is basically that the king owns everything. Uh, you have to give, I think it's you have to give a tenth of all of your produce to him. He can take land at will. He can, you know, basically the, the king's in control. He's He's got all the rights. But despite the warning, people insisted and God said, okay, you're going to give him a king. And that's where we're going to leave it for this week. I'm trying to understand why why they wanted a king. I So I think they saw a pattern. There are a couple of things that come to mind. One is I think they saw a pattern with Eli and then his sons not doing things right. 
And then you have Samuel and his son's not doing anything the right way. And they're thinking, well, maybe we need to try something different. I think that's, I think that's a, could be a piece of it um, because that's kind of how it's written in. The other thing though, is that they were asking for a king, even back in the days of Moses. We just talked about how everybody's asking for a king. Yeah. That's what everybody else was doing. And so, yeah, they saw, I think they saw Samuel's old age and I mean, preface this, this is me reading between the lines, but I think they saw Samuel's old age and what was coming next and saying, oof, I think we need to get somebody else in there Mm. Um, as as an opportunity of, hey, we've always wanted a king. Why not now? As opposed to Samuel's sons who weren't doing the right thing, be becoming the judges over them. Right. They wanted somebody to rule. Mm. And yeah, that, I mean, I guess that makes sense, but. Obviously, in God's response, he didn't want, he was trying to tell him, this is not going to go well for you. Yeah. But whatever you say. <laughs> right. You know, I think that's, it's so interesting because we, you know, we, we do that to ourselves all the time, right? Where God says, hey, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. And it's just natural consequences, nine times out of 10, right? It's just, you know, if you do A, then B happens. But yeah, we find ourselves doing it anyway. Well, I mean, that, that kind of leads us into how this story points to Jesus. Yeah, it, it does. And, you know, because the, the Israelites are are seeking out a king here. And God's response is, is just it's just such a great parallel to what we see today. We, we want to be our own king, right? We want to have control over every situation. I, I, I don't think I'm alone in that. We, you know, we have, have high control needs. And if we're being honest though, we know that God is the one who's in control. And when, when Jesus came and he died for us as that once and for all sacrifice that we talk about so that we could have a relationship with him and God gave him all authority. Uh, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples, right? It's the start of the great commission. So that's true, whether we like it or not, he's got the authority, he's got the power. And so it's our choice, what we do with that. And so just a couple of encouragements and challenges for for christians that are listening you know be encouraged that when you're sharing the gospel and when god's giving you a message to to take to people the same is true for you that it was for samuel and that if they're rejecting your message it is not a rejection of you it is a rejection of christ it's a rejection of god that is so much easier to say than it is to do because it feels personal you know, sometimes it makes things a little awkward, you know, when you, when you bring religion into things, but I will tell you, I've had some really cool interactions. I mentioned one just a minute ago with work stuff where just because we're having conversations about God at work has opened up doors to have more conversations about God at work. And a lot of times all it takes is that first step. So take that boldness with you that, you know, it's really not about you. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting, they're rejecting who God is, but you know, more importantly, for the person who maybe doesn't believe, hasn't made that decision to follow Christ, I want to encourage you to dive in and see that Jesus is king, whether you like it or not. And and I'm just going to be kind of blunt about that. You know, everybody has to decide what they're going to do with that. You either decide, yes, I'm accepting the free gift of salvation and I'm going to confess him as Lord of my life, or we can all find out at the end that he is. And, you know, You've, you've made your choice, right? And, and it's, I mean, that's just the reality of where it's at. And I wouldn't want anybody to, to miss out because we skirt around it or, or, you know, don't say it boldly, but ultimately Jesus is King. And, and whether we like it or not, whether, you know, whatever we 
um, decide to do with it, the choice that's before us is, do we acknowledge Jesus as king? Do we say, yes, I believe he was the son of God, that he rose again, and that he is Lord over everything, but he's going to be Lord of my life? Or do we say, nah, I don't want that. Mm. That's the choice that we've got in front of us. You know, and, and the Israelites... They got it all confused, and like God said, they're they're not rejecting you, Sam. They're rejecting me as their king, and it's the same thing before us. Or God, God is king. Jesus is the king. What are we going to do with that? Well, and I liked what our pastor said yesterday. He says, "What if Jesus is not who he says he is? Then there's no hope. Hmm. There is absolutely no hope, and everything is pointless. You know, we go on and we live our days, and we die, and that's it. Hmm. But he is who he says he is and, and there is hope and we can easily believe, maybe not easily. I don't, for some of you, but we can believe that there is heaven. There is peace after, even after death, there is eternal life. And that's something that you really need to wrap your head and your heart around. Yeah. And I, I wanted to add, I was thinking about this yesterday and I don't know if this is even the right thing, the right way to look at it, but I've heard it said that, you know, I believe in Jesus and somebody else doesn't. Who's better off if they're wrong? Hmm. You know, if, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong and I'm in no better shape than that other person is. But if they're wrong, I'm yeah. going to heaven and they're going to hell. Right. You know, I mean... It's it's definitely something to look into and and really try to again wrap your head around it. Yeah, and I think that 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 question is is so pivotal if you're if you're just like I don't know what to do. Really consider that. What if me as a Christian? What if I'm wrong? I lived a good life. I was kind to people. Um, I I had a purpose for life. I, you know, I I. I it's a good life. Like not going to say it's always easy. It's not, but, um, nobody's life is always easy. That's, that's a, that's a fallacy. That's fake. But if I, if, if that is my purpose in life, that's a pretty darn good purpose Mm -hmm. versus the alternative of what, what if you say, no, I'm done with that. And I'm not, not even going to touch it. But what if you're wrong? What if I'm right? That's now we've got eternal separation from God. Because you said, eh, I don't want to give it a shot. If you're on the fence or if you're thinking about it or if you've always just rejected it, really consider that question and say, is it worth diving into? Because there are guys who have made that choice and every one of them that I know of who's made the choice from being an atheist and said, I want to find out more about this has found God in the middle of that. There, there are countless writings about it. Lee Strobel is one of the most famous ones um, in a case for Christ and I just encourage you to go investigate it, go try it for yourself. Don't reject it on its face because it's religion or because a Christian wronged you in the past or because you've had some kind of bad experience with it. See for yourself. There's one of the Psalms that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's our encouragement today. Just give it a shot. Give it a try. Reach out to us. Info at SimplifiedJesus.com. We'll, we'll see if we can point you in the right direction and, 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 and not, you know, we can't make you do anything, but we can give you the, the material, the feedback, and, and try to try to help you on that journey. That's right. That's right. Well, let's move on to our our uh, our new favorite section of the show. What's, What's going, going on, on in the rest of the world? I love it. All right. 
So we are still in the 1100 BC-ish era, uh, similar to where we were last week, just kind of the next step down. But there was a man named Tiglath Pileser, I think is how you say that. Um, Good job. Uh, the first, uh, he came into power in Assyria around this time. And so a couple of interesting things about him. Um, his big thing, he was known for military conquest. So he was uh, in the Middle East, captured a lot of land. He's big about building up civilization, buildings and all that kind of stuff under his rule. Um, but one kind of fun fact to what I found is that he was one of the first that would bring in uh, wildlife and plants and all that kind of stuff from around his domain into a central area. So like he may have had the very first zoo. Just kind of just kind of a little fun little factoid there. Um, interesting. So he's credited with really helping to expand the Assyrian Empire. And uh, as we get deeper into the Old Testament, we'll see that Assyrian Empire really established and have a significant role in Israel's life down the road. I'm going to disagree with you, though. I know for a fact that Noah had the first zoo. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a traveling zoo. It was a traveling zoo. <laughs> Nobody could go see it, but it was there. <laughs> Everybody who was around was already there. That's they right. could go see it as much as they wanted. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, that's a little morbid, but okay. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> Keeping it real. That's right. All right. Well, I tell you what, we have uh, enjoyed this episode very much. Next week, we're going to continue into uh, Samuel 9 through 15, if you want to follow along in 1 Samuel. We're going to be looking at the good and the bad of Saul's life and leadership as king. And um, we're not talking Saul from the New Testament that turned into Paul. We're talking Saul, the first Saul. Yeah. I get confused all the time. So, you all know, be sure to come back and check that one out. I'm excited about that one. I don't remember much about... Uh, Saul's life. I've read this part, but a long time ago, so yeah. I'm excited to get back into it. Yeah, we put so much emphasis on David as king that uh, Saul, Saul's sometimes forgotten about as the, the very first king of Israel. So. Yeah. Yep, and it just goes downhill from here. <laughs> no, I kid. I kid. Or do I? Let's come back and see. That's right. <laughs> Alright, Matt, get us on out of here. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns about today's episode, shoot us a note at info at simplifyjesus.com. We would love to hear from you. Just let us know what you think. Be sure to check us out on social media and keep up with the latest from Simplify Jesus. We like to hang out on Facebook and Twitter. Comment, like, share, keep up with all the latest stuff we've got going on there. You can also keep up with the latest at www.simplifyjesus.com as we roll out new podcast episodes and we've got different things going on. That's where you'll be able to find that. And finally, if you're looking for uh, where to listen to this podcast, let us know if you can't find us, but you can always just ask Alexa, just say, Hey Alexa, play the Simplify Jesus podcast and you'll find us there. And with that being said, you guys have a great week.